Welcome to the News Commons Radio Hour on WMSC 90.3 FM, Upper Montclair. Get the hell off the beach in Asbury Park and get out. Prosecutors at the Justice Department don't know the difference between friendship and corruption. The state of New Jersey is standing up! Hello, 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 and welcome to the... News Commons Radio Hour here on WMSC 90.3 FM, Upper Montclair. I am your host today. I'm a little lonely today. I'm here in the studio by myself. I'm Joe Amditas. I'm Associate Director of the Center for Cooperative Media here at Montclair State University. We got uh, sort of a, a laid-back show today. We're going to have Sarah Stonbley, our Research Director, come on for another edition of Research Corner. There are still no students on campus. And from a parking you know, availability perspective, I got to applaud that. Um, but just, I mean, in a general ghost town sense, it really, it's lonely out here, folks. Waiting for the students to come back. These lucky, 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 lucky kids. God, I think it, it seems like they have five months of uh, winter vacation this year, but they're not going to be back until I believe the week of the 21st, uh, which is, I think it's the day after, they'll be, they'll be back after my MLK day. Um, and so until then, it'll just be, it'll just be me and hopefully a couple of guests, but we're going to be talking to a bunch of students this semester. We got a lot of partnerships and collaborations that are brewing with the New Jersey College News Commons, for those of you who don't know. Um, that's our network of college and campus media uh, organizations and students across New Jersey. Uh, but what do you say before we get into all that? Uh, well, let's go ahead and take a look at the weather and give you a quick news update. So as you heard uh, last at the top of the hour, it's going to be highs in the lower 40s, upper 30s today, partly sunny, a little windy with, uh, again, highs near the upper 30s. We're looking at possible snow showers or possible flurries later this week, uh, which should be, I think that's going to be interesting. That'll be our first. They didn't, they said it's not expected to be, um, an, uh, you know, one of those monster storms that we saw recently. But again, uh, six inches can apparently throw the entire state into chaos and disarray. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I see Sarah Stombley's outside of the studio right now. I'm trying to signal her to come on in. We've got the door open. She's got to push a little harder. There we go. Um, <laughs> so we'll get her in here in a second. There we go. Get a good push. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into it here. So we got uh, four top stories today. The first one is the massive audit that just came out about New Jersey's business tax uh, incentive program or corporate tax breaks. Uh, ooh, corporate tax breaks program. Uh, over the last 14 years, New Jersey has given out nearly $11 billion in tax breaks to corporations, but it may be almost impossible to tell if the economic gambit has actually produced the types of jobs that politicians promise. This according to a recent state report. On Wednesday, Governor Phil Murphy responded in a video statement to the scathing audit of the Economic Development Authority, which found that the EDA acted with little oversight for more than a decade, where as much as, quote, $11 billion was squandered, said Murphy. Murphy himself is a former Goldman Sachs executive who has supported tax breaks for corporations in the past, including Newark's $5 billion failed bid to secure an Amazon HQ2, and we all sort of know how that worked out. We're going to talk a lot more about the good old business community in New Jersey later, and we'll get into some, some other uh, literature that's come out recently. Moving on, also yesterday, uh, one day after hundreds of people gathered in Patterson to rally for Jameek Lowry, a 27-year-old who live-streamed some of his last moments on Monday, activists protested once again. Mayor Andre Sayeg also revealed that Lowry had spinal, spinal meningitis, a contagious and quickly fatal condition that is a cause for alarm for anyone who came in contact with him. 
Moving on, the state reported this week that the drug overdose deaths in New Jersey passed the 3,000 mark in 2018. At 3,163 overdose deaths, that is the highest mark that it's ever been, and it is 15% higher than it was in 2017. The counties that experienced the worst or the highest rate of growth is Salem County at 60% with 32 deaths, Passaic County 54% with, I'm sorry, that would be 320 deaths, Uh, Passaic County with 206 deaths, Cumberland County with 49% and 113 deaths, Mercer County with 148, Monmouth with 223 deaths, which is a 30% increase. Okay, so these are going by, by percentages. Uh, then we're going to talk again. We're going to talk about this later. These two stories, this one and the first one we talked about, are interrelated, especially when it comes to the business community and the companies that uh, inhabit this lovely garden state of ours. But finally, President Trump quote lied to the American people end quote about a border wall. This, according to Representative Albio Sires, who tweeted this yesterday uh, on Tuesday after after the national address from the president. Sires is a Cuban immigrant who represents the eighth district in New Jersey, and he was recently reelected. Representative Tom Malinowski of the 7th District said Trump was, quote, recklessly dishonest, and that according to Hoboken Patch. Uh, Just some quick housekeeping stuff from the center. Tomorrow is the last day to submit your recommendations, nominations, and submissions for the 2018-2019 Local Excellence in Local News Awards from the New Jersey News Commons. Uh, These are for original local journalism produced in 2018, and there are seven award categories this year. Engage Local, Collaborate Local, Sustain Local, Innovate Local, and the Investigate Local Award, the Campus Watchdog Award, and, of course, our Partner of the Year Award. Deadline is tomorrow, January. January 11th, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. You can go to centerforcooperativemedia.org to apply and learn more about all those categories I just rattled off. Uh, Second, we have our third round of diversity, equity, and inclusion grants that are now available through the Center for Cooperative Media. The goal is to provide up to $500 to to local New Jersey journalists uh, of color uh, or from ethnic media organizations in particular to attend eligible events like the NABJ, NAAJ, or AA. AAJA, NAHJ, and all the JAs um, in, in, are throughout the country. We're trying to get more people to uh, to go to these events, especially if you have any financial or economic disadvantages. Uh, please, again, go over to medium.com slash center for cooperative media to learn about both our equity, inclusion, uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity grants, as well as our local news awards there. And then finally, on January 23rd, 2019, at 1 p.m., we will be hosting an informational webinar about reveals from the Center for uh, Investigative Reporting. They have a reveal rehab reporting network program, uh, Bayard Duncan of Reveal will go over, talk more about the Rehab Reporting Network, how you can join, and we'll give everyone a quick rundown of the tips that we have now with regard to abuse at rehabilitation centers across the state. So we're going to take a quick break. That is your news update from the News Commons Radio Hour here on WMSC 90.3 FM, Upper Montclair. And we'll be right back. We're going to talk about some research. Attention all planets of the Solar Federation. Are you looking for the best in progressive rock, progressive metal, art rock, post-rock, experimental electronic, and other sounds within the prog universe? Tune into the Prog Power Station Thursday nights from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. I am Dave the Robot. Oh my God. Is this my purpose? Reading an ad for a pretentious music program that plays three-hour songs? I no longer wish to be. The Prog Power Station, Thursday nights at 10 on WMSC. Dave the Robot, Ending Life Cycle. Ooh, 
wowee, we're getting a little existential there uh, with Dave the Robot. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, News Commons Radio Hour here on WMSC 90.3 Upper Montclair. I am Joe Anditas, your host, and I'm joined in studio once again by the inimitable Sarah Stombley, our research director. Sarah, Hi, how's it going? Welcome, welcome, welcome. What do you got for us today? So today I thought we would talk about um, the digital divide, Ooh, the perennial good, digital good divide. And uh, there are two there are two articles out just in, not just, but in, in our media, in our daily media. One is from NJ Spotlight and one is from... Buffalo News? The Buffalo News. The Buffalo News. The Buffalo News. Not to be cons- confused with a Buffalo News. Right. <laughs> the Buffalo News. Um, and they're both based on, kind of just a little side note, they're both based on this new um, Census Bureau data, the American Fact Finder Survey, hmm. which is exciting because it only comes out once every five years. So the 2013 to 2017 data just came out. And both both news outlets have made use of this data and, and published um, some really good articles about the digital divide, which I thought we would sort of dig into a little bit, um, especially because what's really exciting about this data is that it goes down, it drills down to the level of, of the neighborhood. Um, and also the other exciting thing is that they just included this time for the very first time uh, data on um, computer ownership and Internet availability. Yeah, I'm looking here. If for those, for for, for internet those, subscriptions. You know, so, so for the NJ Spotlight article, the headline is "Interactive Map: Internet and Computer Access Across New Jersey Reflects a Digital Divide." This yep. is by Colleen O'Day. It's from December 11th. Yeah, so it's this a little is from bit last older, month. But probably people missed it with the holidays and it's, stuff. You know what? It's it's literally a month, less than a month old, and with the cycle of how fast everything goes. Speaking of the digital divide, it feels like that's. I mean, technically, it was last year. <laughs> well, but you know what? And with the census data stuff too, we have to give it a little bit extra time for the reporting because this right. is really using using big data and using um, you know government data takes a little bit longer. So I'm blown away just just from looking at this. So mm-hmm. if I'm reading this correctly, the, the, the scale of this ranges from this map, for those of you who aren't looking, it ranges from 33% um, internet access coverage, right? And it's down by the, it looks like it's by the municipal level, right? Municipal level. Yeah, municipal level. Yes. And Not the it ranges level. all the way up to obviously 100% in, in dark red. And I'm amazed not just by the fact that there are so many municipalities in New Jersey that seem to be at or around the 33% coverage, but where they are. So you would think right. you you wouldn't think that Newark um, would be a hot spot or 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 a uh, you know a desert for for digital connectivity. desert as the Buffalo yeah. News article calls them. Right, but it is. I mean, we're talking. You, Elizabeth, Bayonne, uh, Newark. We're talking about Irvington, Union Township, Carteret, Linden, which I, where I used to live in Linden. These are these are low coverage areas, and of right. course, a lot of these have a lot of low income areas. So, can can we talk about a little bit what, what the correlation, if as if it's not already obvious, what the correlation between income and coverage is? Right. Let me just first sneak in the title of this Buffalo sure, News sure, article. Sure, sure. Um, Buffalo News article in Buffalo's digital deserts, more than half of households lack internet. So. So same thing you're saying, and I don't know Buffalo as well as I as I sort of know New Jersey, um, but they're saying the same thing, right? So like in downtown Buffalo, there are certain neighborhoods where they're seeing um, very low levels of computer ownership and internet subscription rates versus very high levels on the outer sort of more affluent suburbs, and that's exactly the same thing you're you're seeing in New Jersey, um, and right. So they they correlate this um, with um, wealth, you know, sort of how how wealthy the municipalities are. Um, and But it's not only that, because sometimes these places don't have Internet access as well, especially with the more rural areas. So, um, you know, wealth, household wealth, household income is obviously a huge part, and that's the main causal factor. But in a lot of places, there's not the uh, availability 
uh, to the internet as well that one wishes there might be. So, so this is interesting too because I mean, I, we we're at a university in one of the bedroom communities of New York City, mm-hmm. which is the media capital of at least this hemisphere. Um, so it it can be. I mean, even New Jersey in general. I mean, it, it can be difficult to even imagine what it would be like to not have access to broadband for someone in our privileged positions. Um, you know, I, I have, you know, Verizon Fios, I'm cranking out 800 MIPS, uh, you know, download 900 to upload. So, I mean, the, the, these are kind of speeds that, you know, I remember dial up and I remember how frustrating it was. I cannot imagine, especially with my job, which is so closely tied to communication, in the media being able to function without a smartphone, let alone without internet access. Well, and this is exactly what they're saying, and it's not only for professional reasons, but kids in school as well. I mean, I have a fifth grader who relies on the computer for all of his homework almost. It's it's all online now. Um, So really, the internet is so crucial. And actually, in the Buffalo News article... Um, they liken having the internet to having clean water. It is a, it's, it's a, it's a public, yeah, I mean, there are so, many, I think the International Declaration of Human Rights or the UN Human Rights Council yeah. classifies broadband access as a human right. Right. Uh, because yes. it has become so integral to the way our society and the way our, our planet functions at this point. And the problem is, is that these communities, you could say, well, go to the library or something like that, but some of these low-income communities don't. They just call their, an Uber and go to the library. Their neighborhood yeah. libraries have closed. <laughs> Right. And I don't remember which article it's in, but they talk about, you know, in this one particular neighborhood, the neighborhood library closed in 2005. Yep. The other one is a $4 bus ride, and it closes at 6 p.m., the library does, the central library in their community. So it's like what, you know, you really, yeah. there's no, so other, no other options. Practice, so if you yeah. have sports practice after school, mm-hmm. uh, you have to pick that or you have to pick the Internet. Pick between the Internet and sports. I know which one I would choose. Uh, it would be Internet all day. All but, day. But, but, I mean, these are the kinds of institutional channels of privilege and access and power that kids um, who aren't able to, uh, you know, gain access to them, it places them at a serious disadvantage, even as something as simple as, you know, I want to play a sports team. I want to be on the wrestling team. Right. Well, the I wrestling team meets up. two and a half hours every day after after school. Or I want to do a job search. Or I yeah. want to, you know, upload I want to be, my, my resume to yeah. something. Or, I want to connect know. with my friends right. online and exactly. be part of the functioning social uh, networks that uh, folks have been. I, I, this is fascinating to me because uh, when I was at in Detroit recently at the Allied Media Conference, um, we did a session. It still sticks in my head to this day. as one of my favorite uh, sessions I've ever done at a conference. I've done many. Um, on portable network kits. Right. So yes. a portable network kit, uh, according to pnkgo.com, is described as a collection of off-the-shelf consumer hardware that you can put together to make your own battery-powered local Wi-Fi network. Now, we're straying into a sort of gray area here because just because you have a, a portable local network uh, is Wi-Fi, but it is not necessarily broadband. It doesn't necessarily have to connect to the larger uh, uh, you know, Internet service providers. But what it can do, and this is, is great in terms of local community connections and communication, but it's also great in times of need. And I think, Sarah, you were telling me about a story you read recently where – um, they brought these these portable network kits to to war torn areas uh, or savaged areas that have been savaged by uh, natural disaster and I and I immediately think back to uh, Hurricane Sandy mm-hmm. uh, in 2012 where I mean I played with these things and what it does is it basically you create a suitcase uh, that you bring it's around and it's, and it's internet in a box exactly but you know the thing is the problem is let's not I, this is that's great and I think that that's for like you know sort of hackers like you and people who are, feel very comfortable using digital tools yeah. like that's great but My let's not let's not, let, the, really let's not let you know local government off the hook or federal yeah, government no, off the course. hook in terms of providing this 
or let's not let these companies off the hook. And this yeah. can be a great segment segue to your later segment. You know, these companies off the hook who are charging these crazy rates for yeah. people to get internet in their homes, sufficient internet to be online and do whatever you need to do, uploading and downloading. Well, and they're virtual and, and, they, and they're literal and monopolies they're charging, too. Yes, exactly. On top of that. And yeah. well, actually, I was interested because in the Buffalo article, they talk about the three different options. But, you know, these options, the cheapest one is $30 a month. And that does not even give you a connection fast enough to stream video or do schoolwork, it says, under right. FCC. So good luck doing online classes so good or luck doing that. I mean, you know, like let's that. not yeah. let the company, the companies and the government off the hook for providing these services yeah. the same way that they should be providing clean water and, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. No, absolutely. And, I, think, really I, and I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and I think it's incumbent upon these municipalities, instead of kowtowing to these large, mega, you know, multinational companies who, who effectively operate monopolies in, in vast swaths of, of territory in the United States to uh, examine other local mesh network ideas and proposals. Right, mesh network. That mesh was what networks. I was yeah, about. I yes. mean, mesh networks are an alternative, a localized alternative to these massive conglomerate ISPs. There was. Uh, and we shouldn't be letting them off the hook for not exploring those options and instead taking the easy buyout or tax incentive pro, uh, 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 option that uh, effectively puts them in bed with these giant for-profit corporations, which are for providing uh, uh, what is effectively a public service, should be a public service and a public right for a profit. Now, I do I do want to mention there are a couple exceptions to that, which is at the end of the New Jersey Spotlight article, they talk about a New Jersey-based, I'm sorry, a New York-based technology company, they don't name which one, that has installed um, several dozen sidewalk kiosks throughout downtown Newark in, yep. and in each ward at no charge to the city, yep. which provide um, high-speed Wi-Fi links where people can go online and charge their phones for free. So that's pretty I've cool. I've seen those, yeah, they have them in the city and everything. You know, and so Buffalo. there is stuff like that I as mean, well. Buffalo's doing a similar thing. They, they launched a free Wi-Fi corridor along Jefferson Avenue in October. Uh, which also joins an existing free Wi-Fi zone along the Main Street downtown area. And didn't Google do like a whole city, like Kansas City? Didn't they do fiber for like? Yeah, for I think. Free yeah, I mean, again, those that's know. one of those things where you know the company gets to the right, city agrees course, to be a guinea same. pig, and then they come in. And again, I, I'm not saying that there aren't but, mutually beneficial or yeah, you yeah. know arrangements that can be found, but this is exactly what it is. This is the sort of. Those examples are are perfect cases of the sort of public-private partnership, mm -hmm. you know, in the ideal case where you'd like to see it. But again, it still comes down to, um, you know, the, the local public uh, utilities being rationed off or auctioned off to the to the lowest bidder of of a for-profit company. And and until a public service is provided in the context of public service, as opposed to a public-private partnership, which still involves a profit-seeking motive, and you're subject to the whims of the market. Right. Um, I think you're right. I don't think these uh, municipalities or these companies should be let off the hook. Yeah. And I, you know, I already I want to play my sound effect you that I made for later, but I, I'll save it. Save but, it. Uh, yeah, I, I want to also before we end, I want to link these. I want to link this, this, um, these findings, sort of this analysis of the census data, back to our, you know, sort of topic that we seem to keep coming back to, not intentionally, but it's just so important. Health and wealth of this this connection between yes. the wealth of a community and their internet access and their local news, whether their local news is sufficient um, or even there, you know, there at all. Um, so all of these things are related, and I think what's really exciting is that people are starting to look down at this micro level. You know, it's, we're getting da data now that's so much more granular than we ever had before, yep. and we're able to see how the provision or non-provision of these services and, um, you know, and including news are so crucial to community health. I think it's just really important. 
No, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this again. It just it keeps coming back to economics and capital mm-hmm. and where the money is. Not only do do municipalities with higher income levels have more access, but they also have more interest. Companies are much more interested in doing business there. I literally just got out of a meeting with with uh, the Jersey Access Group. Uh, which comes from Summit is or what is it? Uh, I don't even remember the name of the company now. But they they're, they're, they focus on these communities not because necessarily there's a particular need, but because that's where the money is and mm-hmm. that's where the revenue is. Because at its core, these sorts of their businesses and the bottom line is literally the bottom line. It goes no further than the profit. And when when, when things are in the black, experiment, experiments abound. But as soon as they get close to the red and those margins get a little smaller, uh, it, it, public service and goes it out the window. And it just drives home the absolute necessity of government involvement in yeah. this area. Of regulation. Yeah, Regulation absolutely. and government provision of these, you know, things that no and one's going to make money out of. Things at, that are important but no minimum. one's going to make money out At the very of. minimum oversight. Real quick, before we go on a break, I just want to give you uh, links to these stories. You can find the NJ Spotlight story mm-hmm. at bit.ly slash local broadband NJ. And you can find the Buffalo News one at bit.ly slash local broadband NY. Uh, so if you go over there, I highly recommend you read these articles. It's great insights to what's and going and on. And they're short. They're not And like that long. map is just really well done. Yeah. Annabelle, did you want to step in and say something? We got yes. our... Yeah, I do, because my brother was in Taiwan, and Taiwan was one of the first countries to offer free Wi-Fi in oh, a mass nice. scale. And even in back, back in 2013, they had offered it to now foreign tourists who were coming in. Everywhere he was, he never had to pay for the passport that allows you to um, you know, be overseas. He had connectivity that was super fast. He was able to send videos. I was amazed. And I'm like, how are they supporting that, right? So right. compared to what we're doing here, and it's like we only have one service provider, and you're kind of stuck if you want to change. There's no competition there. You're still stuck paying for you know crazy amount of money for like broadband and uh, if you decide to take your uh, cable service or your phone service off the, the of the bill it's still it's still an enormous amount of money yeah. I mean we're almost we're almost exactly I mean we're almost it's flipping now first world third world on this stuff like we're so far behind what other countries are doing. It's a great example. It's it's another example of a lack of public investment in, in yeah. public infrastructure yep, and public exactly. services, which we'll get into later. But um, All right. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's reset, let our, 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 uh, our blood bubbles unboil, and uh, we'll come back with more News Commons Radio Hour after this short break. We all have things on our mind that are concerning us or stressing us out. What about you? Do you smile through your problems every day, or do they get in your way? Are they on your mind every second of the day and making you struggle in finding the silver lining? Well, your problems don't have to hide anymore. MSU's CAPS Counseling and Psychological Services offer group therapy sessions that allow all students to speak in a group or to speak one-on-one with a certified CAPS therapist. Some of these group services offered require no appointment. CAPS hosts many groups that you can attend and relate with other students going through the same experience as you. These groups include therapy and support group, questioning group, living with chronic illness group, and so much more. To find out more about CAPS and their services, you can go to montclairs.edu slash counseling and psychological services, or you can talk to a CAPS member personally at Russ Hall. 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair. All righty. Welcome back to the News Commons Radio Hour here on WMSC, Upper Montclair. You're listening to 90.3 FM. So there, there, I was worried today that I wouldn't have much to talk about. It's, it's a slow day, relatively speaking, at least on campus. 
Not a lot of students here. They're still on break. Those lucky, lucky kids. Still on break for another two two months, I'm assuming, at this point. When do they come back, Annabella? They come back on the 21st. Okay, so they come back. Yeah, it seems very late, but I'm actually very thankful. I'm thankful for Uh, that, to be honest with you. (laughs) So, yeah, so, so I... I, I was worried because, you know, I wanted to have a lot of, I want to have student guests on. Everybody's still sort of shaking off the dust from the break. Um, and then I went on our trusty, we're going to go back to NJ Spotlight. I went on our trusty NJ Spotlight, uh, good partner of ours. And they published, you know, God love them. They, they published an op-ed today from our good friend Tom Bracken, who is the president and CEO of the New Jersey Chamber of Commerce, which is, of course, a business advocacy organization, a private company private organization, by the way, uh, that is based in Trenton, although despite its governmental sounding name, it is a private institution. And their whole point is to advocate for business interests. And the, they published, so Tom, good old Tom Brack, he published uh, an op-ed today titled, It's Time to Stop Ignoring the Needs of New Jersey's Business Community. I just, it, it, and, and it, it, this is a perfect specimen here of sort of the, it's a culmination or it's sort of a, a pinnacle or an epitome of what we've, we've talked about a lot on this show when it comes to the pro-business, pro-capitalism bias of a lot of these media organizations. And I'm not saying NJ Spotlight has one, but it, it is an institutional bias that these kinds of arguments are taken seriously mm-hmm. uh, and are published sort of freely. So we're going to go, I'm going to spend the next however long this takes because I can spend all day on this. There is so much wrong with this op-ed that it is comical and it is it's in, this is enjoyable for me. This is this is. I know what, you enjoy a good I'm, a good I'm, thing to you know, just sink your teeth in. I, I just you know it, the, even from the title from the from the moment I read this I knew okay this is a CEO this is an old rich white guy I guarantee this who is writing this and of course it's Tom Bracken president and CEO of New Jersey Business Chamber of Commerce who wants to know won't someone please. Please think of the business community. Please, won't they think of the business community? Oh, won't somebody please think of the business community? <laughs> so, okay, let me stop being a jerk about this and let's let's get into it. So, uh, I'm just going to start reading through and then we'll stop as we go through and uh, we'll, we'll address some of the points he makes. So, he starts, It's Time to Stop Ignoring the Needs of New Jersey's Business Community by Tom Bracken, January 10th, 2019. Like the voice. The governor wants a fairer economy in New Jersey, but companies are bearing the heaviest burden of delivering it. Taxes and mandates have made the state unaffordable and uncompetitive. So then the article begins. New Jersey received a serious wake-up call last week. Celgene, the summit-based biosciences company, announced that it has reached an agreement to be acquired by New York-based Bristol-Myers Squibb in a blockbuster deal worth $74 billion. Already really sounds terrible for Celgene. I just, it, yeah, it's it sounds not a terrible. Good, it's not a good move. Celgene's management and its corporate board should be praised for guiding the company from a virtually zero cast position in 1986 to becoming one of New Jersey's premier corporations with $13 billion in revenue. Celgene has been a credit to our state, having made extraordinary advances in biopharmaceutical research while earning the reputation as an excellent corporate citizen and a strong supporter of philanthropic causes. Now, I have to pause here because I'm, it's almost too much. I just want to go back and remind <laughs> you from, let's see, what's today's the 10th? Yes. Six days ago, 
Celgene decided to hike its price of its popular cancer drug, Revlimide, Revlimid, which, uh, by the way, they have a virtual monopoly on and are, are under investigation or were, were the subject of antitrust lawsuits over both of their cancer drug treatments, which they have been systematically trying to oust generic competition from the business landscape. This is landscape. the EpiPen situation. This is a very similar, again. yes, it's very similar to the EpiPen situation. This is the good corporate citizen of Celgene, which recently settled just two years ago, less than two years ago, settled and paid $280 million to settle a fraud lawsuit over its cancer drug. Celgene agreed to pay two. This is from the New York Times, July 25th, 2017. The pharmaceutical company Celgene has agreed to pay $280 million to settle claims that it marketed the cancer drugs Thalamid and Revlimid for unapproved uses. Under the terms of the settlement, which resulted in a lawsuit filed by a whistleblower, a former sales rep at Celgene, the company will pay $259.3 million to the United States and $20.7 million to 28 states in the District of Columbia. The settlement is the latest in a string of multi-million dollar fines that pharmaceutical companies have paid to settle charges that they inappropriately marketed certain drugs in recent years. Another company, I believe, and uh, don't quote me on this, but another company, New Jersey-based Johnson & Johnson, oh, yeah. also got in trouble for, for doing the something power, very similar. Yeah. So these are the these are the, the outstanding corporate citizens that we're talking about here. That he's defending. Yeah, that, that he just, somebody, you know, that this is, that's exactly, and I just, I want to reiterate. <laughs> business community <laughs> you're gonna hear that a lot folks i know it's annoying already but i was very proud of that terrible uh, audio decision i made and i'm gonna run with it i love it um so while this sale is great news for celgene and bristol myers squibb it's bittersweet news for new jersey we're gonna lose a prestigious company as well as jobs and tax revenue so again here is a company deciding with 13 billion dollars in profits just being sold for a net worth deal of 74 Four billion dollars and won't somebody think of the business community Please. as they decide to leave the state? They're making off like a bandit and they decide to leave. But Tom over here, Mr. Bracken, just wants to really just have New Jersey's policies. They're, they're bearing the brunt of New Jersey's policies. Now, this again, this is uh, let's 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 continue in 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 Tom's article here. Ready? The Celgene sale follows a spate of other re- recent disappointing news for New Jersey's economy. Honeywell announced it is moving its headquarters and hundreds of jobs from Morris County to North Carolina. Now, let's pause. Honeywell, another staple of New Jersey business. Honeywell did indeed move, decide to move its headquarters to New Jersey. It will keep 800 jobs in Morris Plains, but it also received a $40 million tax credit less than... Less than five years ago, with the with the requirement that it remains in New Jersey for 15 years. Again, five years ago, four years, five years ago, it got you 40, yeah, 40 million dollars. So won't somebody please think of the business community and their 40 million dollar tax credit just to hang out here? And yet, Tom really was worried because oh, this company again voluntarily decided to take the money and run and rely on a technicality that allows them to remain in the state and remain receiving those tax breaks as long as it employs X number of companies in the state. So originally, the incentives were approved to support a Honeywell's proposal for a $100 million redevelopment of its own property. $100 million, which included a townhome development portion of its 146-acre campus. Again, the business community really taking the They're brunt taking of a, these yeah. policies. We just we just need to dump more ta- corporate tax breaks into these companies. Uh, and, and we'll discuss later... Mm. Very, very, very effective tax breaks, apparently. This is, again, this is uh, negotiated by the Christie administration. 
Um, Charlotte, again, Charlotte also offered Honeywell $28 million to relocate, uh, and the city itself kicked in an additional $18 million. So again, ah, oh, just really bad for them. Just, just raking in the corporate benefits here. Uh, let's move on to the next example. Amazon declined. Oh, oh God. Yes. Think of the business. Amazon declined to award New Jersey its new headquarters site. We offered five billion dollars to give Jeff Bezos or, or Jorgensen or whatever he's going by now that he's getting divorced. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, uh, five billion dollars, the largest corporate subsidy in the history of the United States, if I'm not, uh, state yeah. subsidy, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, come on, come on in, <laughs> Professor Gant, come on in. So again, this is another, uh, business, uh, business write-off that we've gotten. Uh, the business community is in such trouble right now. Hey, Professor Gant, what's happening? Hey, buddy, how you doing? We're just ranting against capitalism in here. What's happening? <laughs> We have a tour of all the advisors. They, oh wow! From Montclair State they, we have a tour of advisors. Oh okay? wow! Sorry, we got a little interruption here. We got a tour of advisors. Come on in. Listen to the listen to the magic happen. We're just going to keep ranting if you don't if you want. That's yeah, fine. Just come I, in. I can do two things at once. I can walk and and uh, and criticize capitalism. Welcome at the same to live time. radio. Yeah, welcome to live radio, folks. Uh, so again, let's let's keep going here because there's one more. There is one more data point that he uses between he gets into uh, his 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 proposed solutions for the business community. So he, he continues, he says, oh, and just and the just released annual United Van Line survey reported that more people are lo- leaving New Jersey than ever before. And I just want to point out, again, this is this is a recent study that just came out. And welcome to all you folks. Come on in, come on in, come around, come out. We're just, we're, we're, we're ranting and raving about the business community and the tax breaks that they get. Uh, so come on and welcome to Montclair State WMSC. Uh, we have about 40 We have not taken any the, tax breaks. The mob has descended upon me. They've heard my words. This is what shame. happens. Yes. He starts like talking so, about business in New Jersey and we have like a million This people is go. the conspiracy I've been talking about. Um, uh, so, so again, th- so this is the final data point that he uses that the just released uh, annual United Van Line survey reported that more people are leaving New Jersey and any other state. So we're going to go over to our folks, our friends at NJTV News, which basically put the kibosh on this entire study. This is literally just the data points that show the trucks from this moving company going in and out. It should absolutely not be taken seriously, says New Jersey policy perspective analyst uh, Sheila Reinertson. Uh, again, then he gets into, then Mr. Bracken, the head of the Chamber of Commerce here in New Jersey, gets into his policy prescriptions as to what should we do about this the the brunt of these these economic changes are being felt <laughs> by the business community and i and i just want to play it one more time just you know oh, won't, won't someone, someone think of the business think community? business community <laughs> um so again his policy prescription is again here we go a good start to building a stronger economy would be to lower taxes on businesses create incentive growth programs for small and medium companies so let's just go over and let's see have we raised or lowered any taxes in recent years? Well, of course we have. And who did they go to? Two new tax credits were just added in 2018 for the corporate business tax. The estate tax was phased out. Sales taxes went down. And yet still, the business community, they're hurting. Dealing, they're hurting. And let's see, on top of that, what else happened? Uh, all of these companies, by the way, have been against things like the legalization and taxation of marijuana in New Jersey, which would not only take the burden off of the criminal justice system, stop locking people up for uh, dealing with a plant and destroying families that way, but also would inject a bunch of tax revenue into the state. So from a, an economic perspective, this entire article makes absolutely no sense. The, 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 the cherry on top is the audit that of the Economic Development Authority that came out yesterday that showed over the last 14 years, New Jersey has wasted, squandered, in Governor Murphy's uh, words, $11 billion with a B 
on corporate tax incentive programs that have had virtually to essentially zero oversight. zero oversight. So we've just been dumping money into this poor, beleaguered business community and hoping that, like Honeywell, they don't dip with their money after four or five years Even on a 15-year contract. For $40 million for Honeywell, supposed to stay for 15 years. Uh, $5 billion of outrageous offer for Amazon to come take a dump on the state in Newark. It, it, it is outrageous. And these things get published in what is otherwise an incredibly respectable and friend of the show outlet, NJ Spotlight. So I applaud them for ha- – at least they put up the audit article first and then in and that then little they carousel, the they had the Bracken. op-ed at the yeah. end. So it, it really is truly amazing. I applaud Tom Bracken for one of the worst – reasoned op-eds I've, I've read in a New Jersey publication in a long time. And that's saying a lot, let me uh, just say. Yeah. So I'm going to go. I'm sweating now, I think. So I'm <laughs> going to go ahead. I'm going to get We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we'll ramble on some more. But uh, just stay tuned for more News Commons Radio Hour here on 90.3 WMSC, Upper Montclair. Hey, Georgie, do you want to get involved? Do you like being part of a team? Well, WMSC wants you. Know something, brother? Whether you enjoy music, editing, sports, or news, WMSC Radio has much to offer. Oh, yeah, brother, it's the Macho Man. Be a part of the production team, the engineering team, music, and more. Meet new people, make friends, express your creativity, become an apprentice DJ, and in the future, host your very own radio show. Meetings are held in the School of Communication and Media, Room 1011, Wednesdays at 3.30 p.m. (laughs) Sign up today. What's up, guys? It's Josh, a.k.a. Josh, host of The Island. We're living in a sea of music, and I can't swim, which is why I'm on this island. But you know, since we're here, why don't we listen to some good music and have a good time? Tune in on Fridays from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. here on 90.3 WMSC. I want to go to the island. Mm. Mm. I want to move to an island. Did he say he can't swear? Uh, is that what they, they He's like, I can't swear, so here's some music. <laughs> I just want to, before we before we move on um, to our next event, I just want to want to tie one more bow on top of the last segment um, about the needs of the business community and the uh, 40 million tax tax breaks here, the 35 million here, the five billion dollar offer here. There's one more uh, New Jersey Tava USA, which Governor Murphy said its presence was critical for New Jersey. Uh, also received $40 million, nearly, it's $39.9 million in performance-based tax credits from the Economic Development Authority, which was just recently audited and came out a very scathing uh, audit that showed it we squandered $14 billion or $11 billion over the last 14 Is years. Is Teva like the flip-flop? Teva, I don't, I don't <laughs> know if they make flip-flops, but they make opioids. And oh, okay, fact, this, is, this is pharmaceutical. Yeah, okay. so they make opioids, and, <laughs> and of flip-flops. course, yeah. It goes hand in hand. They do go hand Joe. in hand, apparently, yeah. So they make opioids, and as part of the Grow New Jersey or Grow NJ program, uh, at its June 2018 board meeting, the EDA approved $39.9 million, uh, and which was estimated to be a net benefit of 24 or $247 million over a 20-year period. How we know where those numbers come from, it's a mystery. No one's keeping track. No one keeps track of this. No one keeps track of if they actually followed through, if they actually hired people. But that, that aside, the company, which is, again, such a credit to New Jersey, was also cited along seven other, uh, several other drug manufacturers, 
in a 2017 lawsuit launched by the city of Newark, which accused the company and 10 of its peers of, quote, hiding behind the scene as the connection and supplier to local drug dealers, end quote, for opioids. And now, if you remember at the beginning of the show, we recently uh, showed that drug overdose deaths, particularly opioids, uh, fentanyl, heroin, um, uh, you know, pills and things like that, recently topped 3,000 which is the largest increase, uh, year-over-year increase, and the highest rate yet. Um, the, the state reported this week that drug overdose deaths passed the 3,000 mark in 2018 at 3,163 deaths. It is the highest that it's ever been, and it is 15% higher than it was in 2017. So these are the companies that we are giving millions in dollars of tax, millions of dollars in tax credits to, and yet the same company, the, the, the private organization, the Chamber of Commerce, turns around and has the gall to, to complain and lament that, quote, the comp- New Jersey's companies are bearing the heaviest burden of delivering a fairer economy in New Jersey. I, I, the, it's not the tax mandates that have made, the, as, as he says, taxes and mandates have made the state unaffordable and uncompetitive. It's the jacking up of cancer drug prices that sell gene. It's the take the money and run corporate irresponsibility of Honeywell. And it is the devious and and truly evil pumping and fueling of local opiate drug dealers by companies like Teva that are destroying this state and causing people to flee if they are even fleeing, which, by the way, the data shows that the people who are fleeing that United Van Lines survey, the people who are fleeing are 55 and older. They're going to retire. They're going or they're following jobs. So the people who are, are, are living here, growing up here, who are working here and who are experiencing and joining and part of communities here, they're doing just fine with out these tax corporate tax breaks the companies i am a small business owner i own one i don't need special treatment i need to make sure that my company does what's necessary to be a good if you want to call it i hate to use this phrase but corporate citizen because mm-hmm. i'm not a corporate citizen. i'm a corporation with a front with a with a profit motive and if i and if my company does anything that is against its profit motive it is going against its fundamental uh, uh mandate so it's just not going to happen this whole fantasy and we talked about this in research corner this whole fantasy i idea that companies are just going to provide public services because it's in the good of the uh, uh, in the good in the good service of the citizens or the residents of an area is nonsense if it's not good for the bottom line it doesn't work and right. it doesn't happen that's the bottom line so we need to disavow ourselves or disabuse ourselves of this notion that there are such things as corporate citizens there are not there are corporations that are geographically located and subject to the laws and regulations of the states territories and provinces in which they reside and if those Regulations and those statutes and those mandates don't take into account the voracious desire for profit that comes with a capitalist economy, then you don't end up with good results. You end up with no oversight. You end up with abuse of the system and take it and run technicality nonsense like what Honeywell did. It is not incumbent upon the citizens in New Jersey to subsidize this corporate behavior that is so truly in, against the interests of actual living, breathing people uh, that, that, that this, this kind of nonsense being put out by Tom Bracken should be shunned and he should be made to be, feel like a pariah. He should be made to feel like the pariah that his nonsense words uh, expose him to truly be. So with that, 
I feel um, like we need to call I don't, I, the I, business I think school I need for it. next week. I, I need. I need. I mean, I'm open to rebuttals. Please, someone from uh, the other side of this argument, if there's another side, come, come. I, I think next week we'll book somebody to have a rebuttal because I, I want to make sure I'm being fair. Which, in most cases, I'm. I, I feel like yeah. I am. I may be a little vitriolic. You're like you're you're switching through many tabs, going back and forth to I mean, have an informed decision. Right. I mean, so this like is you're not nonsense. I'm not just guy. ranting. Yeah. yeah. These, these are reputable publications and verified information here. And I'm. I, I'm. Maybe I'm not being fair. And that's that's fair you can you can call me on that come on and, and talk to me if yeah. you have a problem with what i'm saying or if you have a rebuttal i'd love to have a reasonable discussion um the, the i'm not arguing from a place of of uh, of uninformed emotion here i'm arguing from uh consistent research uh and a well-informed time in this kind of industry where i've been watching this unfold for years and years as i'm sure have you but maybe you have a different perspective and that's what what uh, freedom's all about come on in here and exercise your freedom and come and talk to me um, I think we'll go ahead and leave it there for the day. Uh, my name is Joe M. Uh This is News Commons Radio Hour on 90.3 FM. Thank you so much to Annabelle Poland uh, for joining me today, to Sarah Stonbley and our angry mob of uh, faculty advisors who came <laughs> in, in the middle of the show. That's live radio, folks. We'll be back again next week. Um, what is next week? Next week's going to be the 17th. We'll be back yeah, again. Yeah, we're still on our own. Still uh, on our own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be just us. But you know what? Like, We definitely need to get someone, and I and I would be interested – uh, and hearing from someone at the school right here. The, yeah, I think uh, we have Feliciano. plenty of resources, yeah. Yeah, just to come in and, and just give us maybe the other side of the coin yeah, on Yeah, where am I wrong? Situation. I mean, I'm open to being wrong, too. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a business degree. I, I have a political science degree, but I don't have a business degree. You know, that's fair. I, I'm open to, to discussion, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly open to opposing or, uh, or, or differing opinions. So I would encourage, and I think that's what we're going to do for this week. We're going to try to get somebody on for a follow-up session. Um, hope, maybe Tom Brackett. Maybe okay. we get. I mean, I'll reach out to Tom Bracken. That'd Let's be great do this. because you know you can't throw down. I'm not a coward. I'm not somebody who's going to just dump on somebody's uh, writing and then not talk to him about it. So you know, Tom Bracken, I know you're listening to to WMSC. I know you are. And if you are, come on, let's talk. Let's uh, let's let's hash this out. Again, all right. We're going to see you next week. That's going to do it for News Commons Radio Hour on 90.3 FM WMSC Upper Montclair. We'll see you next week, everybody.